Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For everything. For everything indie. For everything cults. It's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. We are back here for another episode. First thing is first, my apologies for this episode getting out a little bit later than normal. Had a tough bout with a stomach virus the last few days. It kind of knocked me out and unfortunately put this pod one day delayed. But we are back. Thank you for feeling better, George. Thank you for your patience. And thank you, the listeners, for your patience in, in pushing us back here one more day ago. We are back. With a loaded show, George, because the last episode, I believe it was, recorded, they all kind of bleed together, to be honest. We were dissecting a Jim Mersey tweet. Now here we are dissecting another Jim Mersey tweet on what it could mean for the Colts at coaching search. We also have Gus Bradley being blocked uh, for other defensive coordinator uh, positions. What does that mean for the Colts? What kind of candidates would want to keep Gus Bradley on the staff? Is it a good idea to keep a coach on the staff that was part of a 4-12-1 season? we got a lot of that. And also, too, is there one candidate? We've heard a lot of names. We talked about the seven or eight, we'll say, quote-unquote, finalists uh, in last week's pod that were out there. But there's one name, George, that you brought up. I think it's very interesting that maybe he's not getting a lot of attention. Maybe he should be getting a lot more attention than he is. So we have a loaded pod here as we wait and try to decipher the Colts' decision uh, in terms of who, and more importantly at this point, George, when we were going to get a, a decision made. For, I think the who went out the window a long time ago. Now it's just when the hell are we going to get the news? It feels like the Da Vinci Code or something right now, right? <laughs> like we're just following all of these signs and trying to figure out what they mean. And one clue leads to the next and uh, so many twists and turns. And it's, yeah, you know, we'll see. Um, right now, I feel like it's not going to be till next week, but you know, that the, the craziest thing about this search is that I don't think you take anything for granted, right? I mean, we, we were even talking, like, we're going to finish this pod, and within a half hour, the news will drop. It's it's just the way, um, you know, you expect those things, I think, in this business anyway, because whatever can go wrong will. But this search is, I, I honestly don't know there's anything that I cling to, and I say, I know for a fact this is true about this search. I, I don't know if there is any kind of pillar like that. I can't recall having less information about a more prolonged search than ever in my life. Cause usually if it's for the most part, right, leaks kind of happen one or two is either people are talking or just the length of time. Like it's so hard for people to keep secrets. It's, it's human nature to want to say, this is what they're thinking, especially when everyone wants to know what's going on in the head of Jim Mersey. What is Chris Bauer thinking? Everyone wants to know. And to the Colts credit, I guess you want to call it. Everyone in that building has been tight lipped or the inner circle is we are talking tight as tight can be. 
and no one is saying a word. So you're right. It's kind of impressive that this has gone on almost a month now and no one's really leaked even sort of anything, any sort of leak we've had. It's been mostly just Saturday. You can kind of guess where those leaks are coming from. Otherwise it's been a little over oh, Morris and impressed and all oh, Brian Callahan impressed, but there's been not a lot of concrete evidence one way or another of hearing how these interviews are going. So I guess if you want to say in one sense, hat tip to the Colts for just keeping everything, you know, um, on the down low and not letting kind of any secrets get out. It's been nothing short of amazing in this world where just leaks are, are running left and right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think I have this correct, but I'm not 100% sure. With it being Super Bowl week, I we're recording this on Wednesday morning uh, of Super Bowl week. Are there, like, not that it's a rule you can't. But is it frowned upon by the league for the kind of the teams to break any news? I know the, the Broncos had their Sean Payton introductory press conference on Monday of this week. So maybe that kind of goes against it. But I kind of expect at this point uh, an announcement from the Colts uh, after the Super Bowl. So maybe Monday the earliest. And just in part just because I don't think the NFL wants other news overshadowing right now the biggest week of their year. Is that yeah. Do you get that vibe or is that true in any sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think the league really strongly discourages anybody from breaking any kind of news during this week. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's coincidence that the Broncos got that in before eight o'clock, you know, when when opening night started. Uh, I think it's sure. fair game up until sort of, you know, what we used to call media day, uh, which sort of kicks off the, the Super Bowl week. And once that happens, I, it's not like you said, it's not a, a hard and fast rule. You're not going to lose a draft pick or something like that over it. Um, but there's no doubt the league would, would take a really dim view of any team doing that. that now, that doesn't preclude, you know, Tom Pelissero or Ian Rappaport, uh, Adam Schefter from, from leaking something this week. Um, you know, but you're not going to say anything from the Colts. There's not going to be a tweet from the team saying this has happened. Now, I say that with the understanding that Jim Irsay does what, what Jim Irsay wants to do. So, you know, if there's one owner in the league who might go ahead and say, throw caution to the wind, uh, it's certainly him. But there's no doubt. I mean, the league in general, they want us talking about the Chiefs and the Eagles this week. And, you know, honestly, those two teams have earned that right. I mean, they're here to play for a championship. The last two teams standing, uh, I don't think it's too much to ask that, that they get one week devoted to them. Uh, and then you can go back to business as usual. Without a doubt. I'm glad you brought up the, the two phrases that go together now. Jim Mersey. And tweet last week, George. We're, we're trying to decipher what a laughing, crying emoji from Jim Mercy and when it comes to the hiring or potential not hiring of Jeff Saturday. This week, here we are, George, breaking down another Jim Mercy tweet. He tweeted on Tuesday afternoon, We said, as an organization in parentheses, Colts, thank you for the specifics, the coaching search would be an, uh, would be an open minded and a thorough process. And the final decision would be strictly based on what is best for our franchise's success and best for our fans of Colts Nation. Final decision coming in days, not hours. Now, I will admit, if you heard me kind of struggling for reading through that, read it for yourself. There's a lot of misplaced commas, a lot of misspelled, uh, no, misspelled words, but miss, uh, uppercase words, a lot of emojis in there. It's it's very choppy sentence. But if we get past the third grade grammar from that tweet, George, it's going to be days, not hours. This decision, at least according to Tuesday afternoon from Jim Mersey, is not going to come, let's say, within the next hour or really within the next day. Um, so let me ask you this. It's been a while. We were talking about this search for and the length of it for a long time. At this point, is it still more due diligence, you think, from Chris Ballard and Jim Mersey? 
or is this more indecision that they truly don't know who they want to hire? Yeah, I mean, it's, we, again, we go into this void of information, and so we just fill it, you know, with with whatever we we can come up with. So it's a hard. I think it's a really hard question to answer. I go back to again, and I have been throughout this whole process. Chris Ballard's introductory, well, not his introductory, but his initial press conference at the end of the season, where he basically spelled this out, said it's going to be a long process, could be till the middle of February. Um, but I think that you know, even though they had a plan to to be wide open and uh, to not follow a timetable and not let pressure of, you know, the senior bowl or, or anything else like that from the outside kind of influence this. I do think that you can make a criticism that I think is very fair that maybe they should have come into this with a few more parameters that maybe the search was a little too wide open. And so that's what you're leading to. Even if it's not indecision, it's, you know, if I go to, the, I, I just kind of use my own personal example. If I go to the grocery store and I've got a plan and I know, okay, I've made a list and I want these things, then it's usually a pretty quick trip. I stay on my budget. I'm in and I'm out. But if I go in there and I'm sort of like, I'm just going to grab whatever I want, you wander and you start to, it gets harder to make decisions. You start thinking about, well, you know, maybe I, I want this and this kind of juice and now I'm going to add that in and you end up going way over budget and it's a lot longer time than, than it needed to be. I think that's where we are with this search. I don't think they went in with a list, you know, and Ballard kind of said that, you know, the, the one, I guess the negative of having such a wide open parameter free kind of process is that now even looking at the, the known quote unquote finalists, you know, the seven guys that are still in this mix with Evero taking the, the Carolina Panthers defense coordinator job, it's a, there's not really a through line. I mean, you've got older guys, you've got younger guys, you've got guys with a ton of experience. You've got guys with very little experience. You've got guys who've been coordinators for decades. You've got guys who've been coordinators for a year. It's, I, I think that's why it's so hard now to choose. You know, when, when you, if you had said our preference is an offensive head coach, you know, then the list would be two. I think right now from what what's right. on. So, I think it's just, I think it has to do with that. When it's such a wide open search, you're in a lot of these areas, you're comparing apples to oranges. And I just think it's harder to do. It's easier to choose between like two offensive coordinators than it is between, you know, seven guys of very disparate backgrounds. That's a good point. I really like your grocery shopping now. I think it, one, it hits home for everybody, but also two, I think it's a good point because right, sometimes you don't know what you're looking for. It's easy to get kind of lost. And now all of a sudden you're sitting here with just a tsunami of information when you hear all of the hours that they put in for each candidate, you know, depending on the candidate and the specifics, you know, 16, 18 hours per candidate who these got a second round interview as well. So that's a ton of information you're trying to process a lot of different plans, a lot of different ideas for the offense or the defense or the staff for the style of play that you're trying to consume. I get it's overwhelming. I still will go with due diligence for two reasons. Number one, we kind of brought up last pod. I think Chris Ballard's trying his best to, to keep his mind as open as possible and not show a bias towards one candidate or another after getting burned by Joshua Daniels when he went into that search in 2018 thinking, my guy's going to be Joshua Daniels. I'm going to, you know, not rig the search, basically go into the search knowing I'm who uh, I already know who I'm hiring. And so it blows me away fine. But basically in the end, it's going to be Joshua Daniels. And as we know, that came back to bite Chris Ballard in the butt. So I think in part, he's doing, again, maybe too much, you can argue, 
uh, at this point uh, of an overdrive to committing against and doing the opposite of that. I also wonder this too, and maybe this is, you know, just too anecdotal, but at least for me, sometimes if I'm feeling like a block, sometimes I just go for a walk and going for watches. I don't think about anything. Like I will not go with the intention of like, if I'm trying to think of something for the, this pod, for example, what could we kind of talk about? I won't, or maybe I will, as I hopefully I think of something, but I'll just go for the walk and just let my mind wander. And then maybe I'm thinking about the lake that I'm, or the ducks that are walking by or a car that's driving by or someone that's jogging and just thinks of like, just thinks of a random you know thought. And then maybe that could spark another thought. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're 10 thoughts deep and all of a sudden, Oh, that could be something. Well, that's an idea I didn't think about. I just wonder if Chris Ballard is using this. Cause you mentioned before having all these different guys and candidates, all these different backgrounds. I wonder if that's what kind of Chris Ballard is doing in a way of just trying to like, when you just kind of, let it go and just kind of just allow all the information to wash over you. Maybe he's waiting for something to stick. And I wonder now if you're through that, you know, if the, the high tide has come and it's waiting out, if you're just kind of going through the rocks now and seeing what's sticking now, again, it's a very tedious process. We've seen this go on for a while. Uh, according to your colleague, uh, Stephen Holder, uh, now ESPN, he's tw- uh, he reported or tweeted that there'll be no more interviews, which I think is interesting. As well, because we did hear last week there'd be a third round of interviews, and now he's saying that there'll be no more interviews. So that kind of, I would say, adds to the due diligence as well, just because you tell me if I'm wrong, George. I would be thinking, at least if I was indecisive on two or three guys, I would still maybe want to hear one or two more things. I know you basically asked everything you could ask. We kind of joked in the last pod, like, there's a third interview. What the hell are you going to ask? Like, what else is there to talk about after 18 or 20 hours? But you feel like there are maybe one question or one thing that could kind of separate everyone else in the pack, I would say that's another reason why I would say due diligence is just because if you're not going to interview or talk to any other, any of the other candidates, I think you've heard everything you need to hear. And now it's just about, okay, what kind of sticks? And again, you could argue, is this too long? Is this overkill? But I, that's why I would say a little bit more due diligence and let's say indecision um, when it comes to the next coach. I think one of the things you said there that that's really you know important in this process is there's so much information, so much data that they're dealing with so many plans that they heard. And I'm sure that they're as disparate as these candidates are. You would think guys from this many different backgrounds have that many different views on what this franchise should do going forward. So, yeah, I think that's what you're sitting down now trying to pick between these, you know, plans that have have been put forward. And also I think there's not – there's never been in this process a slam dunk guy. You know, like if Jim Harbaugh had been involved in it, uh, you would have put him right at the top of the list right away. I mean, his history with the franchise, his experience, having gone to a Super Bowl. I don't know that any of these guys rise to that level. And I think that's a big part of this. You, you can look at a lot of these guys, as we said last week, you can make a case for all seven of them why they should be the head coach. And you can make a case for all seven of them why you should have reservations about it. So I think when you throw all that together, all the information you got from these interviews, all the different plans that they have going forward and how that may or may not mesh with what Ursa and Ballard think about what this team should do going forward. And then the fact that, you know, none of them necessarily win you over right away with their resume. You know, you just go, oh, you, you have to hire this guy. Right. I, I think all of that together, it's going to lead you to be a little bit more deliberate. Uh, and, and to be really, you know, detail oriented in, in your decision, because like you said, you're going to make this pick. You've taken this much time. Now there's 
I don't see the downside at this point saying, okay, let's just sit down. Let's process all of this. Let's make sure that we're making the decision that we feel like is the best decision. And there could be, I mean, we talked all season long that it felt like there wasn't one direction with the franchise, that there were, you know, three or four different things going on at, at any given time. That could still be the case. That could be part of what's going on now too. You know, you, you might have different ideas about, well, I, even our picks between the two of us huh. last week, you know, you pick Callahan and, and I pick Morris. If that's what's going on in the building, it could be as simple as that, you know, well, yeah. I, I think we should go with this direction because I feel like experience really matters. Well, I think we should go that direction because I think the most important thing is developing this young quarterback. And, you know, who knows how long that takes to play out. And last thing I'll say, George, too, is I don't think, by the way, this is a like the culture in a bad spot nonetheless. Because you mentioned before, there's no there's no um, home run candidate or there's no like obvious guy the culture to hire. And I don't think don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Like look at the, some of the other coaches. For the Broncos, I would have argued it's Sean Payton or Bust. With that Russell Wilson contract and how bad he played, you needed someone that could turn him around immediately. I thought for me the only guy was Sean Payton. They got that guy. When you look at the Colts, like you mentioned, there's a few different directions they could go head coach-wise. I would rather go offensive, you know, offensive mind-wise. If the Colts want to go more leadership and that's, you know, a guy they see defensively, okay, fine. But I think you could really argue out of the seven – I would say three, four, maybe five, I would feel pretty good about if they were to hire them. And again, when you're kind of parsing through these candidates and you're having a tough time separating them, I don't think it's the worst in the world because, again, George, at the end of the day, all that matters is you get a right head coach, right? Winning the press conference is irrelevant. I think that's such a, a thing that we as fans have to drum up and, oh, you've got to win the press conference. you got to hire the guy that the fans want from day one. Look at Nick Sirianni, the guy who was hated. In Philly, he made a, a fool of himself because he was nervous in the opening press conference. He started off not knowing you're allowed to run the football in his first five games in Philly. And now in year two, he's in a Super Bowl. You think the Eagles fans are upset that they didn't win the press conference uh, at this time two years ago? No. So it's like you're not going to win the press conference at this point with whoever you hire. Because, again, there's no slam dunk guy to begin with, at least of the seven or eight finalists, if you want to call them that, uh, that got parsed down the last week, week and a half or so. So you know what? Yeah, make sure you get the right one. But I think it's a good thing in a sense that if if the Colts are divided, that means you are talking about two, three, four candidates that a lot of people in the building feel strongly about. That's not a bad like that's not a bad decision, or that's not a bad problem to have. No, exactly, and I, I think that's where they are. Honestly, I mean, um, you look at at this group, and, and like we were just talking about, I mean, you've got two pretty young uh, offense coordinators who kind of fit the the mold of of where the league's going right now, and Shane Sykin. Brian Callahan, um, those are the, that's kind of the hiring that that's kind of going along with what everybody else is doing. Then you've got Raheem Morris, who's who's the recycled coach, but is a very different form of that. And it's been 14 years since he was a head coach. Um, so and it, and he was so young when he took over. So he's still a young guy. I think he's 47. Um, still a young guy who can bring new ideas to the table, but has so much experience. It's a very unique candidate in that that regard and then you got a guy like rich basaccia who's the only interim coach ever to lead a team to the playoffs so you know the leadership is your thing maybe he's your guy and then we were talking about wink martindale and that kind of bruce arians lifelong coordinator type of guy uh you know who tells it like it is and, and maybe that bluntness is something that you want uh aaron glenn supposedly had a really good 
uh, interview. And I think with him, a lot of that is energy, you know, and, and being that former player and being the guy who can stand up in front of the room and, and, and talk from the point of view of the guys he's talking to. So, I mean, just right there, you make a real quick thumbnail sketch for any one of those guys. And then, of course, for Jeff Saturday, it's that the owner might wake up in the middle of the night and decide yeah. he's the guy. So, you know, I I think it's very easy to, to sit down. I, if we got 10 of, of the people listening to this podcast right now randomly together, I it would probably take hours to get them to, to come to a consensus on which guy of this group should be hired. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without a doubt. And at this point, I said, all I can do is wait. But I get, I think at the end of the day, for the most part, I said it, it's a candidate that at least the Colts will feel strong about, which is good. This is not a, a rush decision by any stretch of the imagination. And fingers crossed, George, we won't know until about two, three, four years from now. Hopefully, all this waiting was worth it. And patience did pay off uh, in the end. All right. As a reminder, make sure you download and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And also make sure you check us out on YouTube at Odyssey Sports is where all our videos will be uploaded. So if you like listening to us, make sure you watch us as well. Full episodes loaded up on YouTube under the Odyssey Sports tab. Make sure you do like and subscribe on YouTube as well. All right, George. So we just kind of talked about the Colts giving no leaks and the Colts giving us really no information in this head coaching search whatsoever. It's been, honestly, frankly, a miracle at this point in the day and age we live with uh, and we live in where nothing's leaked out. But maybe we're starting to pick up a few clues. And the latest clue is this. The Colts have blocked, according to reports, Gus Bradley from interviewing for a for other defensive coordinator positions across the league. He's a, man, he's a guy who's been in demand. He's a guy who is, you know, his services, as you can tell, being requested. And the Colts saying, no, 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 we're going to keep you. Because reportedly four candidates are thinking about keeping Gus Bradley on the staff as defensive coordinator, keeping this defensive staff for the most part the same. Let me ask you this. If the Colts are already blocking Gus Bradley from, from interviewing for another job, even though it's, let's just say, roughly half or four to the seven that would, would keep him, does that basically tell you that they're going to hire someone that's going to keep him? Like, would you really be blocking Gus Bradley if you're going to pick one of the seven guys that isn't going to keep Gus Bradley and potentially cost him a job next year? I think as long as this has gone on, it leans in that direction. I mean, right? to me, um, it, it, if you don't, if, if, if you now hire one of the guys who's not going to keep him, it's going to look bad, you know, and, and he and his staff are going to rightfully probably come out and say some pretty poor things about you uh, to the media, because as long as it's been, you know, these guys have given their plans. Um, and, and again, like we said, that's more than half. So if there's four, that's more than half the, the group that's in there. Um, you got to feel like those are maybe the finalists. I mean, that, that's the, that, that would be my takeaway that if you're at this point in February, you're still blocking Gus Bradley, you're seeing defense coordinator jobs go off the board. I know the Vikings just hired their guy. The the Panthers just hired their guy. There's a couple new coaches. I think Frank's the only one who's who's hired his defense coordinator efficiently, uh, officially. So that you still got, you know, D'Amico Ryans is still looking and Sean Payton's still looking. The Cardinals 
like the Colts still haven't made a hire, so everything's still open there. But at this point, to me, if you're still holding on to him, um, it's a strong indicator that that you're leaning towards one of these guys. Uh, and I think if you don't, if there's nothing, it's not unethical or, or anything like that. He's under contract. You have every right to do this. But if you don't, at this point, it, a lot of people are going to look at that, rightfully so, in my opinion, is, is you know, kind of shady. I would agree. And especially, like, I know it's a little different because he was interviewing not on the team, but you look at Evero going to Carolina and, you know, officially being on the Carolina Panthers staff, even though he was a finalist, one of the eight finalists at the time um, for the Colts coaching job. So, like, that was one of the things where either he read the tea leaves and said, you know, I'm just going to go get a job like him. But you're right. You would figure – this late in the game, as we're sitting here on February 8th, you are not truly blocking Gus Bradley and shutting down any sort of chance of him getting another job if you weren't almost 100% confident he'd be back on your staff next year and you are picking a guy that wants to keep him on his staff. So can we surmise, George, of the seven names left, can we take a pretty educated guess of the of the four, at least reportedly, who would want to keep him? You, you would think both Brian Callahan and Shane Second right off the bat, uh, both offensive-minded head coaches, or offensive-minded coaches, I should say that would be offensive-minded head coaches, would keep him, right? I think that's – is that fair to say right off the bat? Yeah, and then we were talking about this yesterday, you know, just texting back and forth as you were on your way out to Arizona, that it, if you – if Gus wasn't on the staff and you were looking for a defense coordinator to, to pair with a young offensive-minded head coach who's not been a head coach before, he'd be high on the list because what would you be looking for? Experience as a former head coach would be great from that, yeah. that situation, a veteran guy who can kind of just run that side of things, let the, the offensive minded head coach kind of get his feet wet on the side of the ball that he's comfortable as he's trying to get involved. Not that they wouldn't be involved in defense at all, but at least you're not, you're not feeling like, Hey, if I'm not in that, if I'm not splitting things 50, 50, then the defense is neglected and, and I'm in trouble. You know, if you've got somebody like Gus over there running it, you can give Frank did that for the most part, give him the job and, and let him run it. And then you come in with your input. I think that's, you mentioned Sean McVay, you know, and, and him coming in uh, with Wade Phillips right away. And, and, you know, how that was, that's sort of, I think the blueprint, you know, you hire the young offensive minded head coach and then you bring in the veteran defense coordinator. So, and I think with both of them, there are ties. You know, Steichen worked with Bradley out with the Chargers, um, you know, a few years ago. And Callahan, I think you've got to go a little bit more, you know, wavy to, to get there. But a windy of a road. A little bit more of a windy road. But, you know, his dad – Right, right. But his dad, Bill, was a – you know, spent a lot of time with John Gruden. And who was Gus with last yeah. year? John Gruden. So yeah. – at the very least, there's somebody that, that Brian can call and say, is this something I want to get into and, and get a pretty good answer pretty quickly. And you'd obviously assume Rich Versace then would be someone interested in mm -hmm. retaining Gus Bradley's services as he helped get them to the playoffs last year. I'm with you, but like, because outside of Rich Versace and his very short interim stint and, and Raheem Morris, everyone else is a first-time head coach. So whether you're offensive, defensive, special team side of the ball, like for me, it's just like, to your point, like when you are a first time head coach, that is so much on your plate, so much to have to deal with and manage that if you can have someone like Gus Bradley, who is has been in your shoes, know what it's like, kind of knows the stress, and is able to take, you know, a little bit of a a little bit off your plate. Even if you're a defensive, you know, side of the ball guy, 
even just kind of help run the defensive meeting so you can, like I said, spend more time on the offense. I think it's it's a great philosophy. I think it's a great thing the Colts are doing. And I think it's a great thing that the candidates are open to because it's also – it's kind of an ego check too, George. Think about it. These guys have grinded their entire lives uh, in order to get this job. And especially if you're – it's a little bit easier on the offensive end because it's not your side of the ball, but especially defensively, if you're on the defensive side of the ball, like that's your expertise. So, of course, you're going to say, well, of course, I'm a defensive guy. Of course, I know, you know, I'm going to run the defense. It's, it's my show. I'm the head coach. And then you kind of get into this, this mode of, if I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail on my terms. And then so usually, especially if you're a first-time head coach, you say, oh, you know, I'll still run the defense, but I'll have enough time to do both, be a head coach and defensive coordinator. We've not seen it work. And I think we have seen a trend recently, whether it's Nick Sirianni to drop his name again, I think fitting that it's Super Bowl week, we can kind of give him some props, uh, doing so in Philly and giving over the play calling dues to Shane Sykin. Whether it's Robert Solomon, he took over the Jets, um, saying right away from day one, I'm not going to be the defensive coordinator. I'm not going to call the plays. So I think you're starting to see now assistants wise up and realize there's so much on my plate that I can't do both. Experienced coaches like Andy Reid, yes, he can do both. That guy's been around the block and he knows, you know, he's at this point figured out a system. But for for guys right away to kind of get that first experience, it's really hard to juggle both. So I'm with you. I would assume the four people who would keep Gus Bradley on the staff or the four candidates, I would assume probably the finalists. I think it's a really smart move to, again, help get some experience on your staff, but also to take away some responsibilities that could free you up to either help the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, or just overall just make sure the team's in a good space. Yeah, really the only two guys on the list to me that, that right away you would feel like might be resistant to it are Martindale and Glenn just because they're defensive guys and they probably have their own mindset. But, you know, they might be on the list of guys who are willing to do it too because of what you were just talking about. They may understand they're not going to run the defense. And a lot of it depends on, you know, does their philosophy mesh with Gus's. I think the other guys are easy to guess. I mean, Raheem worked with them in Tampa Bay, so I'm sure he'd be open to the idea. Basachi obviously worked with them with the Raiders. Saturday obviously worked with them here in Indy. So I think there's five guys that you can right away – feel like at least on paper there's a match the other two maybe maybe not you know they, they'd be the two I think you'd need to sell on it just because they, they might have a different idea especially Martindale I mean he comes more from that Ravens kind of style defense which really isn't what the Colts are running and really isn't what Gus's background is so you would think that that would not be a, a marriage but you know who knows um I, I just think it's going to be interesting because if you did hire a defensive head coach, if it was Aaron Glenn or if it was Raheem Morris, you know, maybe that helps take that defense to that next level. I feel like most of the, most of the year we talked about it several times, most of the year that was a playoff caliber defense. I feel like they were mentally and physically fatigued at the end of the year, uh, but if they need that little kick to get them over the top, maybe it's pairing Gus with a defensive minded head coach who might just, have a couple different ideas here and there on things that they want to do, uh, you know, that, that just help take it to the next level that and a healthy Shaquille Leonard. I was just going to say that that's also a huge boost as well for this Colts defense next year. It'd be a lot of fun to see him running back on the field as well. But it's also too, like I get this is oversimplifying it. I get that. But with that said, anyway, it's still like, and look, you look at the defense, like you just mentioned, that was the best part of the Colts team last year up until last month. And you can't fall at that point. I think it just, the, the dam broke, and at that point, there's nothing you can do. But it's like there's no reason to not retain, you know, the defensive staff who did, a, again, a really good job, shorthanded, again, missing the best player for the outside of three quarters, four quarters, whatever Shaq Leonard played that season or this past season. So you, you did all that, had all that production. 
um, had the defense playing again, a high level, despite all of the offensive issues, the turnovers, putting them in bad spots, constantly on the field all game long with turnovers and, and getting, you know, not making first downs going three and out. So yeah, I, Again, to me, it's common sense. If you want to, you know, not be either defensive coordinator or if you're an offensive mind, want to bring in a defensive guy, why not keep the guy who's already here, who has familiarity with the players, who did a pretty damn good job last year, especially considering the circumstances that the Colts defense is facing when you are working with one of the worst offenses in the league. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, it makes a lot of sense. I, I understand the argument, you know, they went 4-12-1 and the defense struggled in the last month. That would be... The, the other side of it. But like you said, I think there's a lot of reasons uh, that go into that. And I honestly think this defense just got fatigued. They carried the offense on their back the entire year uh, and they just weren't able to, to, to get across the finish line. And, and I think that's, you know, human nature. You don't want to see it happen. Uh, and no one in the NFL is going to call that acceptable, but I think it's, I think it's understandable given the, the, the way this year played out. Uh, and, you know, I would think too, that to a certain extent, uh, much the same way Matt Eberflus when when Frank Wright came in and he was already on the staff because Josh McDaniels had brought him in here, uh, at least in that first year or two, there probably will be something of a short leash because I think if, if the new head coach comes in and things aren't going well on defense, then he's obviously going to want to bring in his own guy. you know. And I think you're not going to stand in, in the way of that happening. So that's the other reason I don't think it's a, it's a major issue. If you've got guys who are open to the idea of him being on the staff, and obviously there's there are plenty of them uh, in this mix who, who feel that way, uh, and and then you you look at Gus's track record in general of being a you know highly respected, highly regarded defense coordinator, I, I don't think it's a huge issue because you you're talking about a situation where if it doesn't work out, you got to move on anyway. That's the way this league is. The only thing I'll say to at least put a bow on this is this: this conversation is this. If for whatever reason the prospective head coach does not want Gus Bradley, wants a different scheme, just feels comfortable with his own guy, I hope the Colts aren't pushing Gus Bradley on them. Like that's the one thing I think where the Colts could actually screw this up and be in the wrong here is that they're kind of nudging, kind of pushing, and, and almost maybe even demanding, hey, you want this job? Well, part of it's keeping Gus Bradley on your staff because I think that's the one thing you cannot do as a team is try to dictate to a new head coach or a head coach in general who's going to be in your staff. So – I'll take the reports for the face value of that. There are candidates that want to keep Gus Bradley, not the Colts kind of pushing him on them, but I really hope that's not the case just because again, I think that's you're setting yourself up for disaster for the Colts. If you are kind of pushing and trying to convince whatever head coach you want to hire to keep Gus Bradley, because like you just mentioned, then it's already going to cause a little friction. There's not going to be maybe the trust you need there. And like you said, in a year or two, then all of a sudden you're kind of creating a situation where Gus Bradley's going to be fired. And, and now it's like, you are almost creating an excuse, if you will, for the new head coach if they're struggling to say, well, I didn't have my guy defensively, so now that I have my guy, I need another two or three years to figure this out. Like, it just I think it sets up a bad precedent. It sets up a bad start to this head coaching search if, again, they're pushing, which not saying they are, just in general, just a thought out there. If the Colts are the ones, let's say, more pushing Gus Bradley, then is the candidates wanting to keep him on the staff. No, I, I agree 100%. I don't think you ever want to handcuff your head coach. And I think that's one of the things that happened, you know, when Iberflus was here, they didn't push him on, on Frank Reich. You know, they basically, Chris Bauer said, look, this situation is unique. He got hired by a guy who backed out. This doesn't happen every day. Uh, we want to do right by him. And the two other assistants that were there at the time, the offensive line coach, and the, I think the defensive line coach, Mike Fair, was the other one. 
Um, you know, if it was the only one that lasted past two years, I think of that group. Um, so it's, but I, the thing is, it wasn't like you were mentioning, it wasn't forced on Frank Reich. They came, he came in and they had meetings. And after a week or so, Frank said, yeah, I'll keep him. You know, our, our philosophies mesh. But my understanding is that that entire time, Frank had the right to say, no, I'd rather move on. Uh, all Chris was asking him was to have an open mind and go in and, and do the meetings and see if this was going to work. Obviously, it did. The four years that that Iberflus was here, I think they were top 10 in, in scoring uh, all four of those years. I think they were top 10 in takeaways all four of those years. They went to the playoffs twice, should have been three times. We won't get into that. Um, but, you know, it, it, it wasn't a disaster. And I think that's right. because of what you're saying, because it ultimately was, even if there was some, hey, we'd rather you do this, it still ultimately was Frank Reich's decision. I think it's, you're going to have to do that with this new coach too, because it will be a disaster if it's an arranged, you know, shotgun wedding kind of a situation. I'm just laughing at, you know, Chris Ballard saying, keep an open mind, Frank, as the reason why Frank Reich is there in the first place is because Chris Ballard did not keep an open mind on his search a few, a few weeks earlier. So ironic to say the least, but here we are, George, all that being said, but you're right. I think like I said, at the end of the day, the head coach should get say on who's on his staff since they'll be working together very closely each and every day. I don't think it's a place of a GM or an owner. It's just you kind of impose their will on who you should keep and who you should bring on, maybe who they should retain on the current staff. Uh, so we'll wait and see. I think it's a good move for the Colts. I think it's a good move for whoever the head coach is going to be to have an experienced uh, former head coach on your staff to kind of, again, help ease the learning curve, help if you're especially for a defensive mind head coach, take some responsibilities off your plate. And it's kind of make, again, the adjustment a lot easier in a league that we are seeing have less and less of a grace period and the leash becomes shorter and shorter where it's now forget a four or five-year plan. It's like a two or three-year plan. Or if you're not, if you're not making the playoffs in year three, now most coaches don't survive that. So it's hit the ground running from day one. you got to have all the advantages you possibly can at your disposal. I do think having Gus Bradley and his experience, plus also his success from last year on the staff as a big uh, weapon uh, to your advantage for sure. All right. As always, make sure you download and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you do get your pods and YouTube Odyssey Sports. All right, George. So look, we have talked about the candidates ad nauseum. Right? We, we've broken down the, the list of 13 candidates with first interviews. We've broken down the seven finalist list that we thought that at one point jumped to eight and then back down to seven. We have talked at every single name, except maybe one. We were talking yesterday, and you brought up one candidate who had a, a first interview that was sneaky, then did not have a second interview that we are aware of. Is there one candidate that we have not talked enough about that you think maybe could be a secret player or a secret front – not front runner, but a secret actual option in this never-ending coaching search? Yeah, I mean – I feel like there could be any number of, of secret guys in here, right? Just because we don't know anything about this, but I absolutely feel like Eric Bieniemy is is a guy that uh, could still be very much alive. We've seen some national hints that he is very much alive, and I thought it was interesting out there in Arizona on on Super Bowl opening night. You know, he was asked about uh, specifically. I think he was asked about the offensive coordinator positions that that he'd been linked to. And he said he didn't do any interviews for an office coordinator job. Uh, that's not even something he's thinking about until the season ends. And I'll talk with Andy Reid and they'll see if he wants to stay in Kansas City or if he needs to pursue another option. 
But he said the Colts interview went well, and you know we'll see where it goes from there. And I think people can read into that what they want. You know, I, I do think there's a very valid uh, argument out there that probably all these candidates feel like it went well. That you know it's been such an open-ended uh, search that that they probably all feel like they they did a pretty good job. I would argue Evro probably didn't feel like he was very much still alive if, if he took an even coordinator job somewhere else, or he didn't like what he heard from the Colts uh, and didn't want to be the head coach here. One of those two that's, that's would be the situation. Um, but I, I just that to me, that comment to me made me feel like Bienemy in his mind is still in this. Uh, and when you add in the national reports indicating that maybe he is, I, I just can't rule him out. I don't know, you know, would I, is it a 50% chance? No. You know, is it a 5% chance that he's the guy that might be more like it, but there's an obvious connection between him and Chris Ballard. I mean, everybody knows Chris Ballard was in Kansas city before he came here. I think most people understand that Andy Reid is one of the most respected guys in, in Chris Ballard's circle, you know, that, that he thinks a ton of Reid. Uh, and I think he would, anything that Andy Reid would say would go a long way uh, with Chris Ballard. So, and I feel like this, if there's one guy who they could interview and we would have no idea, I feel like Ballard, the enemy's right there at the top of the list. We know Ballard doesn't want any of this getting out, so he's not going to leak it. Uh, I don't think Kansas City's going to leak it from their end because they respect Ballard the same way he respects them. Uh, and I think if he says, I'd rather this not get out, they're not going to say anything. So that really just leaves the enemy himself or his agency. And if your general manager, your respective general manager is saying, keep this quiet, probably in your best interest to, to follow that lead as well. Um, you know, the only reason we knew he interviewed the first time was the team tweeted it out. They didn't tweet out second interviews. So am I saying, you know, I'm, I don't want to go down this like JFK route. I don't have a board <laughs> with string on it or anything like that. Uh, but I'm just saying it is not inconceivable that they did a second interview with Eric Bieniemy that we're not aware of. Let me ask you this: like, why the secrecy? Because you're like you're. A, we've heard. I believe this is the case. Because again, there's so many candidates. So I I don't think I'm overlooking anyone. But I think I have this correct. Eric Bieniemy is the only candidate of the of the 14 that they or requested an interview, but the 13 actually interviewed where we didn't know prior to the interview that they were interviewing. Right? Like everyone else, we have seen reports of they requested. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you. So, Sachia and Vienni were the two that we did not know they're interviewing until after the fact. Why keep it a, like why Vienni specifically keep him a secret compared to anybody else? I don't know if it's so much specifically to, to keep him a secret. I think it's up to Ballard. I don't think we know any of the names. I mean, I think like if it was Correct. just up to him, yes. I think he would 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 love to just do the whole thing in secrecy. Uh, and I think with Biennemi, it's just that marriage of it, it actually both ends works out because I don't think Kansas City is going to step on his his toes. Not that the other teams will, but they're also not maybe going out of their way to keep it as locked down as, as the Colts are. You know, there's probably more leaks coming out there. Obviously, were more leaks coming out from the Giants. You, you had that Martindale as one of the front runners tweet that came out. Um, and I'm not saying, like, that's not in any way to besmirch the other franchise. I'm just saying – most of those 30 of, of the teams in the league don't have any interest in protecting this. They don't care. They don't have any particular ties to Chris Ballard. 
there's nothing in it for them to not, you know, to, to make this, to make an effort to keep it, you know, quiet. Kansas City, on the other hand, I think for them there is because you've got that relationship between Andy Reid and Chris Ballard, and even Brett Veach and, and Chris Ballard. They work together there as well. So where I think there's a respect level of, hey, you know what, we, we wouldn't want this coming out either, and we're not going to let it out. Now, none of that means that, that the enemy is a major factor in this search. I just think he's a guy you can't rule out. And I also think when you're looking at how weird and long and secretive this search has been, in some ways, the perfect ending would be like Monday morning, Eric Bieniemy is named the, the head coach. I'm just, I'm just, I guess I'm just trying to think like, so what is the, I guess I'm just trying to comp, comp, uh, compute to myself, George. Like, what's, I guess, the benefit of keeping it a secret? Because, like, like you mentioned, like, okay, Chris Ballard wants secrecy. Reality, like, look, he's basically gotten as as much secrecy in this search as you possibly could get. The fact that really all we know is the names and uh, the length of the interview for some and not even others is a, is a again, we talk about it, it's a minor miracle that so little has gotten out. But I guess my my thing is just the thing I'm hung up on is just I don't get the extra secrecy when it comes to Eric Bieniemy versus anybody else because like you said we we know up uh, outside of two we knew everyone else the Colts were interviewing we through reports knew the seven or eight other candidates the Colts had for second round interviews Bieniemy at least according to the first report or at least according to that report was not included again we only knew he was interviewing because Jim Mersey the first time tweeted that we just completed an interview with Eric Bieniemy out of nowhere which shocked everybody. So it's not inconceivable, like you just said, that he could have had a second interview without anyone knowing. But I guess the only I just don't understand if you're Chris Ballard is just why you keep him a secret. And I guess why, like I get what you're saying, like the other 30 teams have really no allegiance to the Colts or Chris Ballard. So whether it's the teams leaking it out, whether it's the coaches' agents leaking it out, so whether it's someone in the Colts organization leaking it out that hey, here who here's who we're interviewing. Evero was there for 14 hours today, went really well. Like I guess. What I'm struggling is just to see why we've got some details about almost everybody and nothing on only the enemy. I guess, especially too with him, I don't say being a polarizing character, that's that's unfair, but in a way he kind of is just because he's always been that name that we think he's going to get a coaching job and he hasn't. And really the last few years he's really cooled off where it's not even, he's not really been a finalist or really getting second interviews. You would think it would benefit him and it, you know, you'd benefit almost the league, if you will, to kind of say, hey, look, here's Eric Bieniemy's name hot again. Because I think the one thing you see in this league is you're hot, you're hot. But once you're not, you're kind of done. Like, you're kind of out there. So when you hear, like, you know, the, the reports that, oh, he's, you know, he might take another offense coordinator job somewhere else. Honestly, George, I just wrote off the fact he have to be a head coach this, this cycle again. If you're going to go to Washington or you're going to get, you know, requests from other places, in order to be an offense coordinator, I just assumed, okay, that means he's not going to be, you know, the Colts head coach. He didn't get requested anywhere else. So that, you know, that's going to close the book on this cycle. I guess I feel like it would just, it would benefit everybody if he's, his name is more public about how close he was actually, instead of having it be one big secret. And I, that's a very good argument. That might be the case. You know, I don't know. He may just be saying it went well because that's the feeling he got and he may be out. I mean, there, there's no, you know, the information we have that we can go on that, that's solid, we don't know of a second interview. And maybe it didn't happen. And maybe there isn't one planned, you know. So 
it, it could very well be that there's nothing more to it. I just feel like in this case with this one guy, um, he's the one that, that I kind of wonder just because of the ties you've got there. I know Chris Ballard had kind of been a champion for him uh, when he was up for some of these other job years, you know, you know, getting in NBA enemy's corner. Um, why you would keep a secret? I don't know. And it, and in fact, the matter is there may not be any secrecy here. You know, it, it may be that he's not, that he wasn't brought in for a second interview and that's that, you know, and, and he's not in consideration. I just know for me, it's just a, it's, it's not even a hunch. It's just curiosity from the fact that you've got a couple national guys and O'Aaron Wilson in particular, uh, who've been kind of saying for a while now that the enemy's still in it. Um, but none of them are reporting that he has a second interview. So, you know, they have old information. They have bad information. The easy answer here is because, as you just laid it out, that he's not in it. You know that that he didn't get a second interview, and he's not in consideration uh, for the job. I just, like I said, there's just smoke there that I won't dismiss because of the connection that Ballard has, uh, and because of the fact that there's still whispers out there nationally that that, that he's still around. If he is, you know. We'll, we'll find out if he gets a job. If he doesn't, we may never know. It won't matter at that point if they, if they hire somebody else. And I will say, you know, on top of all of this that, that I've just said, I will say the winds have been blowing in Brian Callahan's direction. The things that I've heard most recently this week, you know, are, are trending in his direction. Now, in this search, what does that mean? Right, that's I, also you know, true. Scale you know, for maybe maybe no reason. Because, like I said, we've heard a lot of, <laughs> lot of crap the last three weeks. Well, for the longest time, it was Morris. You know, that that was sort of the guy that, that everyone True. heard was, was sort of the front runner. So, I don't know. You know, and we still live in a world where Jim Irsay could call Jeff Saturday during the Super Bowl and ask about the offensive line and, and end up offering him a job. So, we don't know, you know, where this, where this road's going to end. Uh, and I don't. I'm not trying, like I said before, I'm not trying to put on a tinfoil hat or cause any kind of conspiracy theory here that the enemy's in there. It's just there's weird smoke there that you wouldn't think would still be there, um, given his past and given the fact that we don't have a second interview. And so I won't dismiss it because of that. I think it's fitting to end this pod, George, with some statement of facts, because there's been a lot of speculation in the last 45 minutes we've been talking. And again, we've heard nothing. So credit to the Colts. They're giving us nothing concrete to talk about. So here we are, you know, again, trying to, trying to, you know, possibly square to, uh, fit a square peg in a round hole and trying to put pieces together. Maybe that they're just throwing pieces out because they know the puzzle doesn't fit and just trying to throw us off the scent altogether. That could be Chris Bauer playing one big mind game. Who knows? He's got a lot of time in his hands, so maybe that's what he's doing these last few weeks. But I think I could say these these two statements of fact uh, to end the pod here, George. I'm see if you agree or disagree. Number one is this. I think the betting odds are the most useless thing we could look at when it comes to the Colts head, coach, uh, head coaching search. You mentioned it. Um, one of the New York Giants beat writers last week tweeted, Wink Martindale, basically overnight, the odds shifted dramatically in his favor. He was the betting uh, favorite late last week. Again, with, with as little information as there is out there, I don't really think even Vegas knows what's going on. I think they're just trying to jumble up some money, trying to jumble up some some easy bets. I I would at this point I'd be surprised if anything can happen. I'd be very surprised if Wing Mardell is the next head coach. 
And I just don't think right now, anytime you look at those betting odds, you can actually trust them and look at them and actually feel, oh, yeah, that's what the Colts are thinking. I got, I mean, to that end, I got two emails on Saturday from one of these betting sites and within hours of each other. And the first one was that Jeff Saturday remains the the front runner and and he's the guy. And like two hours later, it had shifted miraculously to Wink Martindale. And I think that alone tells you there's there's not a lot there. I think Vegas in general, when it's not a game, when it's something that that the outcome is either predetermined or, you know, it's in the hands of of a select few people, they don't tend to be as accurate on that. Um, And I think it's exactly what you're talking about. They're just trying to, to gin up money, uh, and you do that by what names, you know, in the cycle. So if a, if a beat writer comes out and says Martindale's the leader, that's going to shift the board a lot, you know. Um, we'll see. You know, I, I agree with you. I think that's a fact. I, I, 100% in your corner on that. I forget where he stood, but I remember the day – I think it was either the day uh, Frank Reich was fired or the day Jeff Saturday was hired. I forget because obviously they were very close together. But I, I Actually, no, same day. So that day. My, see, that everything bleeds – that felt like years ago, let me tell you. But the day Frank Reich was fired and Jeff Saturday was hired, I never forget the betting odds that we saw for the next Colts head coach. I think it was like second, third, or fourth. So I don't think he was first, but he was in the top five. Peyton Manning was like, yep. you know, in the top five betting odds to the next head coach. So that's I'm with you. It's just like one of those things like, what are we doing here? Just trying to get free money. I'm sure some idiots put some money on it. And Vegas is, is putting up another building laughing in the bank. So I think the one, the one of the two statements that are fact is that you cannot do not go by the betting odds. I don't think they really know any more information than me and you. The other thing is this. We'll finish with Jim Mercer's tweet that we talked about. When Jim Mercer tweets on Tuesday, we sat as an organization, the coaching search would be an open-minded and a thorough process, and the final decision would be strictly based on what is best for the franchise's success and what is best for our fans of Colts Nation, final decision coming in days, not hours. I think, again... That just is another nail in the coffin of Jeff Saturday's candidacy. I just don't think if you're Jim Mercer, you could tweet what's best for the franchise to success, what's best for Colts Nation, especially when he knows, right, more than any owner on social media, he knows what the fans feel like towards Jeff Saturday as head coach. I don't think you tweet that with that specific wording and then turn around and hire Jeff Saturday on Monday or Tuesday this week. I think, again, I know it's crazy to kind of – state any fact that comes to Jim Mercedes mindset. I feel pretty good with the tweet from last week, laughing at Joe, uh, Joey Molinaro's skit of him trying to hire Jeff Saturday and yesterday tweeting what's best, wanting what's best for Colts nation. I'm going to again for the 395th time, I think in this pod, George rule out Jeff Saturday as the next head coach of the Colts. I mean, I think there's a lot of good arguments in in that regard, um, based on those things. But I, it's it's a horror movie villain for me. You know, I, I'm never really gonna be certain that that he's dead uh, until the end credits roll. I, I just don't feel confident uh, because, again, I, Jim Mercer wakes up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night and makes phone call. Jeff Saturday's the head coach. That's all it takes. So for me. Um, now, logic, I'm with you. Reason, I'm with you. Uh, in, in a world where those things rule and, and things make sense, I'm with you. I just I haven't lived in that world with this franchise for, for a few months, so I can't go there yet. If Saturday is hired, two things, another two quick two things for a fact. Number one, I know exactly the emotions I'll, I'll be feeling if Jeff Saturday is hired as head coach because I felt them on Saturday when I had the stomach virus. So I already know, sick to my stomach, what that feeling will be like if we're sitting here 
talk about a Jeff Saturday introductory press conference. Also, the second thing is you talk about The Undertaker. I don't think I've ever seen Jeff Saturday and The Undertaker in the same room at the same time. You talk about The Undertaker gift, just rising up from the dead. That's what Jeff Saturday would be doing at this point. He's already in the coffin. I would say six feet under, dirt's over him. We're sitting here next week talking about a Jeff Saturday hiring. I think he's been, been playing two roles at once. His whole goal, though, I mean, his whole life has been beating the odds, right? I mean, you talk about a undrafted guy who gets cut, who's working in an electronics store and comes back on, on the suggestion of Bill Polian and it turns himself into a pro bowler and a Super Bowl champion. You know, I mean, that's that's Jeff's life story. Hopefully Jim Mercer's not listening. That sounds like a Hollywood script that I think he would love to love to be a part of. So we're going to end the pod there before we give Jim Mercer any more ideas um, uh, on that for sure. But appreciate listening to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. If you like what you listen to, make sure you download and subscribe if you don't already to the Blue Horseshoe Pod, wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you check us out on YouTube at Odyssey Sports, where you can see myself and George in person. Well, not in person, but watch us, we'll say on the pod each and every week. So we're getting closer. Hopefully we should get a decision probably by early next week at this point, George. So we'll, we'll still just kind of sit here in limbo as we wait for eventually the next head coach of the Colts. So have a great week. We will be back. Uh, I believe later we're going to try, like George mentioned before, I'm at Ready Row in Arizona. So it's a little bit of a hectic week here, but I would like to give you at least hopefully one more quick pod, maybe uh, kind of give you any updates on the, on, to breaking news, preview the Super Bowl a little bit as well. So we're aiming to be back in the Blue Ocean Pod later this week. So have a great rest of the week. Make sure to check us out again on YouTube where you get your podcasts. And we'll talk to you later this week on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.